China showing support for Russia as it grapples with mutiny. The Wagner mercenary group revolted against Moscow's military leadership over the weekend, but immediately pulled back its forces. Western countries now suggesting the Kremlin is showing its weakness, but Chinese state-backed media say otherwise, saying that Western media from a false image of a declining Russia. How will the aftermath impact the Beijing-Taiwan relationship? Welcome to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. Russian leadership is dealing with an uproar, but the conflict doesn't seem to be stopping China from supporting the country. Russian mercenary group Wagner revolted against Moscow over the weekend. How does the incident involve Beijing? And what does it say about China's next move towards Taiwan? NTD's Sam Wang has more. On Monday, China's foreign ministry brushed off Wagner's halted mutiny against Moscow as a Russian internal affair. The Chinese ministry spokesperson went on to say China would support Russia in maintaining national stability and achieving development and prosperity. The Wagner Group is a private Russian army which has played a significant role during the war in Ukraine. Its head, Evgeny Prigozhin, has long been critical of the Kremlin's leadership. He led the organization to rebel against Moscow over the weekend. He said that the nation was deceived into a war by the Kremlin's defense ministry. Prigozhin added that Russian forces deliberately attacked its field camps in Ukraine and killed nearly 2,000 men. Wagner forces began to march toward Moscow but soon retreated after brokering a deal with the Belarusian president. Under the agreement, Prigozhin will enter exile in Belarus but will not face criminal charges. Chinese state-run news outlet Global Times said that the Western media is trying to create a so-called illusion that Russia is falling apart internally. But Western officials are saying otherwise. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken says the mercenary uprising shows cracks in Putin's power. NATO head Jens Stoltenberg, on the same token, described the mutiny as a demonstration of weakness in Russia's leadership. China has framed itself as a neutral peace broker amid the Russia-Ukraine conflict. The regime has been echoing the Kremlin's official narrative and has yet to condemn its invasion. Their mutual distrust towards the West has brought the leaders of both countries even closer in recent years. Experts are comparing what happened in Russia to China's possible invasion of Taiwan. Taiwanese political commentator Huang Pengxiao said that Russia's war has cost its military greatly, which prompted the Wagner mutiny. He said the incident will likely make Chinese leader Xi Jinping more hesitant to send troops to Taiwan. Former CIA senior intelligence officer Zhang K. Cover suggested that an unstable Russia could lead to a more isolated China. China sees the democratically governed island of Taiwan as its own territory and has vowed to take it by force if necessary, despite never having ruled it. Sam Wong, NTD News. As the world marks the International Day Against Drug Abuse and Illicit Trafficking on Monday, for the first time ever, the U.S. filed charges against Chinese fentanyl manufacturers. NTD's David Lamb spoke to officials in Silicon Valley, where county officials report a spike in fentanyl-related deaths. Here's more. On Friday, the U.S. Justice Department filed charges against four Chinese chemical manufacturing companies and eight individuals, alleging they illegally trafficked the chemicals used to make fentanyl. These companies and their employees knowingly conspired to manufacture deadly fentanyl for distribution in the United States. The indictments mark the first time the United States has sought to prosecute any of the Chinese companies responsible for manufacturing the precursor chemicals used to make the synthetic drug. Several of the companies mentioned were Hebei Amarvel Biotech and Anwei Runcheng Technology. 
Prosecutors said the companies, including one called Hubei Sinaloa Trading Co., advertised on social media platforms in Mexico and the U.S. They then used false customs forms, mislabeled packages, and masking molecules to ship the chemicals by boat and air. Upon receipt of the shipment, however, the purchaser is able to easily remove the masking molecules and return the chemical to its original form as a fentanyl precursor. It breaks new ground by attacking the fentanyl supply chain at its origin. Meanwhile, California's Santa Clara County reported fentanyl deaths doubling in May from 17 to 41. What we have seen is we have seen a number of deaths, particularly in the 20 to 39 year old age group. Uh, we have also seen uh, fentanyl-related fatalities involving the adolescent age group. We have seen uh, fentanyl fatalities uh, involving both powder forms of fentanyl as well as fake pill forms. Dr. Michelle Jordan said the county, during investigations, had found remnants of fake pills on scene. So within my office, we are prosecuting people who uh, traffic fentanyl and specifically those people who uh, sell fentanyl that results in somebody's death. You know, our, our, my office has already filed three murder charges, and you know, we will continue to uh, file those, those kinds of cases as the uh, evidence sort of, um, presents itself for those types of cases. The deputy DA said, aside from the law enforcement side, the county is trying to take a holistic approach by providing the drug reversal spray Narcan to the community, as well as finding treatment for those suffering from substance use disorder. In Santa Clara, California, David Lamb, Entity News. The Chinese regime has been criticized for not doing enough to stop the flow of fentanyl into the U.S. Here is U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland on that concern. Over the past eight months, the defendants are alleged to have shipped more than 200 kilograms of fentanyl-related precursor chemicals to the U.S. in order to make 50 grams kilograms of fentanyl. As I said, this is a quantity that could contain enough deadly doses of fentanyl to kill 25 million Americans. The defendants are currently in China and are unlikely to face trial in the U.S. The charges are a significant step forward in the fight against fentanyl and other synthetic opioids. Next, we zoom in on news for online shoppers. Chinese fast fashion brand Xi'an and home goods retailer Timu are grappling with forced labor accusations. A House committee report took aim at the company's Friday, saying their business models take advantage of U.S. law through a shipping loophole and accusing them of failing to screen for forced labor. Typically, foreign companies selling to U.S. customers will send their goods into the country in bulk. But combined, Xi'an and Timu instead ship nearly 600,000 individual packages to the U.S. a day. By law, imports valued at less than $800 enter the U.S. tax and duty-free as long as they've packaged and addressed to individual buyers. It's called the de minimis rule. Congress raised the threshold from $200 to 800 in 2016. Following the change, import volume jumped from 220 million packages that year to over 770 million in 2021. Goods from China make up about 60% of that figure. The shipping tactic allows Xi'an and Timu to sell their products at rock-bottom prices, since they don't need to offset tax costs. But there's another problem. 
the House Select Committee on the Chinese Communist Party, says the rule may also allow the companies to skirt laws designed to prevent the sale of goods made with forced labor, noting that Customs and Border Protection can't reasonably scrutinize those shipments due to the sheer amount of them. The issue's house-sparked concern over whether the duty threshold should be brought back down. Robert Lighthizer, former U.S. trade representative during the Trump administration, said last month, quote, Everybody's got to kind of wrap their head around what kind of mistake this was. Referring to the packages from China, he added, Nobody dreamt this would ever happen. We have no idea what's in them. He advised getting rid of the de minimis rule or significantly lowering it to 50 or $100. Last year, House Democrats also pushed to block Chinese-made goods from benefiting from the special treatment. The world's largest chip-making firm now reportedly facing more export restrictions. The Netherlands is planning to block Dutch tech company ASML from sending its chip-making machines to China. Sources say officials pledged to implement the rule as soon as June 30th or early July. The regulation is designed as a blueprint for other European Union nations as the EU seeks to reduce supply chain reliance on China. ASML is banned from selling its most advanced product, a machine that uses what's known as extreme ultraviolet lithography, to Chinese firms. The cutting-edge technology is used for making the world's most advanced chips. Because of it, the company's equipment is critical to U.S. national security. And for that reason, ASML has become a battleground in the U.S.-China chip war. The Netherlands has been facing pressure from Washington to help stifle Beijing's chip development. Dutch and Japanese officials agreed back in January to team up with the U.S. Home to much of the globe's top machinery and enterprise, the three nations are capable of producing the world's most advanced semiconductors. China consumes more chips than any other nation, and ASML is the most valuable firm in the Netherlands, with China making up its biggest source of income. An unfortunate development from China's biggest city, Shanghai. Software engineer He Gang and his fiancée Zhang Yibo have just been dealt long-term prison sentences by a Chinese court. But do the accusations against them, developing an app to break China's internet censorship, hold up? Let's dive in. Software engineer He Binggang is facing six years behind bars, while his fiancée Zhang is looking at five years. The couple was arrested two years ago, when local authorities raided their homes and took their cell phones, computers, and internet servers. But what triggers such a strong police response? It all ties back to a special software they developed. Ogate is an application that allows people who live in China to access to block information that's available overseas. In other words, it's capable of circumventing the Chinese communist regime's internet censorship. Worth noting, He and his fiancée practice Falun Gong, also known as Falun Dafa. The Chinese meditation discipline has been severely persecuted by Beijing since 1999, with practitioners facing prison sentences and torture while in custody. The two are not the only detainees. Beijing had launched a campaign to target all those involved in developing the Ogate project. At least seven other Falun Gong practitioners across several provinces were arrested in connection with it. Many of them remain unnamed. Chinese authorities had reportedly been monitoring their internet activities for months before carrying out the arrest. The case has also affected people outside of China, with some technical personnel overseas reporting that their residences were broken in. More information on the court trial, both He and Zhang are said to be in poor physical condition and had to be moved with wheelchairs during the arrest. 
He has served three stints in prison, where authorities allegedly tortured and beat him. During that time, he lost the ability to walk and is now bedridden. What's more, the detention center has denied him the right to meet with his lawyer. As a software engineer, He owns a computer business, while his fiancée Zhang formerly managed a foreign company in Shanghai. Both refused to give up their belief in Falun Gong. Coming up, an ex-NYPD officer convicted in a U.S. trial last week found guilty of acting as an illegal Chinese agent. Now, Michael McMahon may face up to 20 years behind bars. But the former cop turned private investigator said he had no idea he was working for Beijing. What's really going on in McMahon's case? We spoke to his wife, Martha Byrne, who believes her husband is innocent. Well, we were all in the courtroom uh, when it happened, and we were shocked is not even the word I would even, does even capture it. My husband was actually a victim in this case and proved that he was used. We also sat down with senior military intelligence officer, Lieutenant Stephen Rogers, for his take. Maybe he should have looked into these people a little more. Guess what? There are a lot of Chinese Communist Party influences in American companies today, and uh, their agents are all over this country. More on that after the break, here on China in Focus. Welcome back to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. Ex-NYPD officer Michael McMahon convicted of a crime with two other men. All are accused of helping Beijing force U.S.-based Chinese expats back to China, a scheme dubbed Operation Fox Hunt. The former cop pleaded not guilty, saying he believed he was hired by a U.S. corporation looking to recover embezzled money. So what's behind McMahon's case, and how does it play into China's overseas influence operations? We sat down with the former officer's wife, Martha Byrne, and senior military intelligence officer, Lieutenant Stephen Rogers, for details. Martha Byrne, thank you so much for joining us. Great to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. So in some kind of hard news for your family, your husband was actually convicted of acting as an illegal agent for the Chinese regime by the Department of Justice. How did your family find out about this? Well, we were all in the courtroom uh, when it happened, and we were shocked is not even the word I would even, does even capture it. I mean, we were devastated because the evidence showed that my husband was actually a victim in this case and proved that he was used. Um, and we felt so strongly about his case that it was a shock to us because First of all, you know, FARA, which is this charge, is that you need to know that you have to register as a foreign agent and then willingly not register as a foreign agent, which is, again, my husband worked on this case in 2016 and 17 for a few days of surveillance for an American company. He was hired by an American company. And as far as stalking goes, he's a licensed private investigator and surveillance is legal Want, it is part of their jobs. So the fact that they could say guilty on that, it actually is going to decimate the entire private investigative industry. It should also, the press who parks on streets, there's uh, so many, the FBI does it, they do covert and overt, police departments do surveillance. So this doesn't make any sense. So the, the facts don't match the actual outcome of this case. 
And it seems in the case of the other two that were charged alongside your husband, it seems they are pleading guilty. And in terms of your husband, you're appealing the case. So kind of what's the difference in this case? The fact is that my husband was never asked to do anything illegal. He was hired by a U.S.-based company to find assets in a civil matter. It had to do with money laundering, and they were. This was a construction company. That's how they presented themselves. Who were looking for assets that had been to where this this man, the subject of the surveillance, had stolen tens of millions of dollars from a construction company in China, which ended up being in a civil case later on, a few months after my husband finished his work, they were sued civilly. So it matched up to what he was told. I mean, it's obscene that they would even think that someone of my husband's caliber, NYPD hero, you know, totally his whole career and his life has been about betterment of others, that he would ever betray his country for any reason. Um, so that, of course, we would appeal that, for sure. How did you even find out that the FBI was looking into this? The first time we're hearing about this is that they're slamming on my door at, at six o'clock in the morning and scaring my family. And they they took him away. And he's like, what am I here for? You know, what am I, what's going on? And, you know, he was cooperating. He spoke for an hour and a half with them. He was trying to put the pieces together. And he gave them all his emails, his tech, he gave them everything. And in court, they actually used his own evidence that he gave them against him. And it says, provided by McMahon on the bottom of the evidence. It's like, this guy was as forthcoming as possible, but they never spoke to him. They never they never wanted to know any more about the people he spoke to or no interest in that. Um, so it's devastating. I mean, it destroys your life. I mean, it, it turns your entire life upside down, your family, his reputation. I mean, they've, they've really attacked a hero here and threw him under the bus for their own agenda. And it's just, it's just wrong. You don't destroy people's lives like that. It's really um, just because you need to get a case. You don't just go after an innocent person to create something to save face for yourselves. And then you mentioned in the beginning that you are appealing this case. So what's next for your family here? Well, in 30 days, we had to put our motions in to dismiss the case. And we have a lot of things, a lot of grounds to, to do that uh, on record that have been, you know, the, the thing about when you go to trial, it's all in the documents. You know, it's all on testimony now. So we can go back and, and show where there were issues, major, major issues in this case regarding my husband. So you file motions for that. And you just keep going, going through the process until he's exonerated, which he will be at some point. The facts support that. The evidence supports that. Martha Byrne, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me. We really appreciate the support. And please uh, check us out and keep following our case. Lieutenant Stephen Rogers, thank you so much for joining us. Great to have you on the show. My pleasure. Thank you. But it seems in terms of the FARA or foreign agent charges, the family is for McMahon is pushing back, saying, oh, first, you would need to know you're a foreign agent. And then secondly, knowingly withhold that type of information. And they're saying they thought this was an American company. This was all civil. There was nothing of that. What do you make of that aspect? What would make it actually a crime? Well, and really, looking at the uh, Foreign Agent Registration Act, uh, there are many, many people in this country who are working with foreign companies in communication with foreign people. They have no idea what that agency, what that agent act is. So I'll give him that. Maybe he was unaware that there was an act. But saying that, uh, again, I go back to this idea of 
knowing uh, or not knowing who these people are, because apparently he did not do any background check. I wonder where the money came from. Uh, he was getting paid, maybe, maybe not. You see, we don't know what we don't know. But if, in fact, he was getting paid, it's possibly the DOJ followed a money trail leading back to uh, individuals that were committing crimes against our country. So in cases like this, it sounds a lot of it comes down to motive. How do you prove that? Well, it's, it's very difficult at times to prove motive in cases like this. Uh, the uh, FBI and DOJ is, are going to have to connect a lot of dots here and talk to him again uh, about why did you do this? Now, he will possibly say, look, I'm a private uh, detective. Uh, I run a private security agent. See if that's the case. And I did this uh, to make money. Nothing wrong with that. It's, it's legal to do that if you have a bona fide agency. But, but what's wrong is that maybe he should have looked into these people a little more. And by the way, you mentioned earlier that there was a claim, I guess, by the wife, that it was an American company. Well, guess what? There are a lot of Chinese Communist Party influences in American companies today. Uh, look at the CCP is notorious for committing a lot of uh, national security uh, acts against this country. And uh, their agents are all over this country. And I'm happy to see that the FBI and DOJ is going after them. So the CCP agents could run, but they can't hide. And eventually, uh, they're going to get caught. So my hat's off to the DOJ. But regarding the police sergeant himself, well, let's see where it goes. Like I said, we don't know what we don't know. But uh, maybe, just maybe, more information will come out in an appeal. And then we'll, uh, we'll have to see where another jury goes if the appeal is granted. And, Lieutenant, on the note of the Chinese regime kind of infiltrating into American companies, could that actually be one of the fences? The Chinese Communist Party is loaded with thugs. These people are thugs. And so these individuals who claim they had no knowledge, well, they're going to have to say that because the difference between America and, and Communist China is, is that if you start to talk to the FBI here and you go back to the uh, mainland China, they'll probably execute you there. Here, you know what? You're not going to be executed. You'll be given your rights and you'll be given uh, a chance to explain yourself. So I don't buy anything that these individuals say. Again, my view. And in your view, the fact that he is appealing after a conviction, what does that tell you? Well, it tells me that his lawyers, I'm sure, who he has been collaborating with, believe that they may win an appeal. I can't foresee them going to, uh, a step further to appeal without the idea that they may win. And, and again, it goes back, as you said, to evidence. There may have been a piece of evidence that the defense wanted to present, and the judge wouldn't allow it for whatever reason. So... Uh, he has a chance. Look, he has a 50-50 chance of winning an appeal. If he does, well, good for him. If he doesn't, well, you know what? The jury then made the right decision. I mean, things can't get any worse for him, uh, so why not take the chance? And in terms of this case, or more broadly, say, Operation Fox Hunt that has been found across the states, how do you see that playing into the public's perception? Well, I've got to tell you, the uh, public is uh, not very well aware of uh, what's going on with regard to the uh, uh, infiltration of the Chinese Communist Party. And uh, they will be, as time goes on, as they listen to broadcasts like yours, they're going to get educated as to what the CCP may or may not be doing. But uh, I'm glad that uh, this Operation Fox Hunt is going to be turned into Operation Hunt the Communist, because in my view, that's what needs to be done. The CCP, uh, they, they far too long have had the uh, wherewithal to get away with things in this country, but we're, as a country, we're getting wise to them, and they're gonna, the CCP is going to pay a heavy price. 
Lieutenant Stephen Rogers, thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. Thank you. That's over today's China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. If you have any feedback on the show or have something you'd like to see us cover, send us an email at chinainfocus at ntd.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for watching. See you tomorrow.